everybody. Welcome to today's One Million by One Million podcast. 1M1M, as you know, is the first and only global virtual accelerator in the world. We work with entrepreneurs all over the world from Silicon Valley. And uh, today we are talking to Amir Banifatemi from K5 Ventures and Tech Coast Angels. Amir, welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you very much, Raman. I'm, I'm happy to be with you today. Thank you. So tell us about K5 as well as Tech Coast Angels, your seed investing activities. With pleasure. Um, K5 Venture is an early stage uh, venture firm. Uh, we call it uh, venture capital because that's the easiest way to qual- qualify it. But in fact, we are extremely um, hands-on investors. We're all, uh, there are 12 partners and we all have in the operations of different businesses, launch companies, successful at exits, and we love the opportunity to work with new startups as well. So the fund that we have is our own fund, uh, and we are investing dearly with passion behind entrepreneurs and working with them uh, on a continuous basis. How big is the um, K5 fund, uh, Amir? Uh, we have deployed so far about $12 million. Um, we, we keep adding at it as we go. Mm-hmm. So we have. And uh, what size investment do you fund. like to make? We invest anywhere between, um, I would say, $10,000 on a napkin idea uh, to start up to $250,000 for a first investment. Uh, but for the companies that we follow and prove. Uh, signs of success or, or progress, we keep adding. So we go up to Series B with them. So always we keep our prorata. And yeah, even add you do more. the prorata. So mm-hmm. The largest investment we made, I think, was about a million and a half dollar uh, so far, adding up to that. But we still go step by step. And what is the focus? What kinds of businesses do you like to invest in? We initially started with businesses that, were more about employing certain type of technologies such as machine learning, data science, robotics. And gradually we, uh, we understood by working with entrepreneurs that our focus should be shifted more about real problems more than just a technology focus. So while mm-hmm. we like to invest with companies that do employ technologies such as machine learning, deep learning, robotics, data science, and maybe predictive analytics and so forth, so having foundation in technology we are trying to identify teams and, and companies or startups that are focusing on very immediate real problems that have an impact, that mm-hmm. can be uh, pragmatic and practical in their output. Sometimes they don't go and become unicorns, but we're not investing from that purpose on anymore. We're trying basically to be domain-focused more, such mm-hmm. as health, such as education, such as gender equality, such as environment. Uh, and so forth. So this becomes our new uh, angle of uh, evaluation, if you will, but we have to have strong technology understanding and capabilities to build applications and to deploy them somehow. But we're not okay. investing in pure research or in pure technology. What about geography? Um, we, we started in California, uh, anywhere in California, and then gradually, because our partners being distributed globally now we invest in china we invest in israel we invest in india we invest in europe and we invest in canada these are the other geographies that we we invest of course new york as well but 
We did it because our partners were located somewhere and we had food on the ground and we have understanding of the ecosystems in which startups were basically um, developing and growing within. Mm-hmm. Because without any support, there is no way you can help just with money. So throwing money at the company, which is somewhere else, could be interesting if you're part of a syndicate or there is an interesting deal going on. But usually we don't do that. We, because we try to be involved in the development of a company, we try to have knowledge of the ecosystem, understanding who can be their support, who can be their clients, how much mm-hmm. money they can raise, and so forth. So this building blocks takes time. So we organically started investing beyond California as we uh, added partners. And these, your 12 partners are spread out in all these different geographies that you mentioned? They are, yes. Okay. So what trends are you seeing in your deal flow right now? What's, what's worth discussing? Mm. <laughs> Uh, we see, uh, like everyone else, we see a lot of chatbots, a lot of um, <laughs> delivery, a lot of uh, doing CRM on inboxes, like like everyone else. Uh, we see, I think, uh, with less and less big ideas, I think all the ideas have been spoken for already. There is always these new variations of existing ideas or these new approaches. Obviously, with new technology capabilities, there are probably problems that can be tackled that were not be easy to tackle before, or maybe yeah. because of better distribution of networks and access to information, or better payment capabilities, or the world becoming more open. There are some ideas that could regurgitate and come back to life and be visible. But to, I think uh, you were mentioning that yourself in one of your uh, podcasts. I don't think. We have new ideas coming up all the time. They're rare and rarer. Uh, of course, yeah. we see a lot of blockchain. We see a lot of um, cryptocurrencies. We hear a lot of ICO right now. And that worries us a little bit because not that they're not good. I think there are definitely merit in all of the above. We hear less and less ideas focusing on making humanity better and wealth distribution mm-hmm. more wider. And that mm-hmm. is uh, something that is a little bit worrisome Sometimes when you see entrepreneurship becoming a global sport and everybody have access to tools and with little money, you can do a lot of things. Uh, we would hope to hear more original ideas or more original ways to, um, to become. Well, I think what you're seeing around the world is a lot of concept arbitrage, right? Concepts that have been tried in different places are being applied right. to different markets, different, whether it's vertical or geography, different areas, that concept arbitrage trend is very high. Um, And then you have big kind of categories like cybersecurity that have been very, very active, uh, you know, fund uh, drawers for a long, long time. So there's a very large number of cybersecurity companies out there. AI is a new... um, attraction area for the investors. So there's a ton of AI-focused startups from all over the place. So, so there, there are these kind of broad trends, but, but you're right. There is, you know, one of my observations that we are in 2017, so a lot of stuff has already been built, and, and there aren't that many wide-open opportunities. So there are many niche opportunities, and, and I, I am actually very much in favor of niche opportunities. You can build very nice businesses, for small amounts of capital, um, 
in around these niche opportunities, and I think those are very interesting niche opportunities. Um, in fact, one of my questions to you is, how do you view uh, these niche opportunities? I mean, I, I imagine there are companies that can be built for one or two million dollars and sold for ten to fifteen million dollars, or companies that can be built for two hundred fifty k to five hundred k to a point and then sold into a larger company for five to $10 million where it then accesses the channel. These kinds of companies then don't build the full channel. They kind of go through somebody else's channel, but they build the product, get the early validation, the customer uh, feedback, the customer input, and build a good product that then somebody else who acquires the company actually takes it to market. Well, how do you invest in such opportunities? Uh, we do. Um... As I was um, saying before, we focus on niche problems and, and hard problems and problems that are immediately uh, helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the, um, the current trend is that to raise venture capital, you have to have a billion dollar exit or have valuations that could bring mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30 times back to investors. So the niche opportunities that we talk about could actually bring such multiples to very early investors, but usually if a company goes to a VC or one or two rounds of VC, uh, it basically gets, provides a lot of pressure to early investors, and those, those yeah. numbers might not be achievable. Uh, but I think as an angel investor, as, as a small fund, which we are a small fund, and as a seed stage, I think our, I wouldn't call it duty, but our interest and our um, Happiness comes from seeing people being self-actualized and, and get moving. So to me, a success is a success. Even building a company and raising money and sending it to 2 million, I think it's a success and keeps things moving. As long as yes. you tackle interesting problems. And I think to, for the world to be distributed, there is not enough unicorn possibilities. It's not just about talent or Intelligence. No, unicorn opportunities are far and few and far between. Those are rare yeah. opportunities. And if we expect that everybody is going to be a unicorn, this is going to be a complete disaster. Yeah, exactly. So I think the reality hits, and the reality is that there are point problems that need to be solved. Unfortunately, many companies that exit at those valuations of 5 to 10 are in despair or there are acquirers because they're doing amazing things and they're going to be scooped out by larger corporations in need for the talent pool or for the technology. But probably the third category, which is people that are planning to build companies that could solve a problem, a very specific problem, could be interesting. Uh, I'm involved uh, in artificial intelligence myself a lot because I'm, uh, I'm advising and leading the artificial intelligence initiative for the XPRIZE Foundation but also mm-hmm. involved with the UN to, to talk about the impact of AI for good. We had actually a summit in June in Geneva with um, 20, more than 20 UN agencies, all the large labs from Stanford to Cambridge to uh, MIT and Shanghai and others, and also venture capitalists and others. And the common thread was that how can we deploy artificial intelligence for good, for real good? And of course, we have the sustainable development goals that the United Nations have uh, published and, and basically be used by all the agencies. And if you look at those 17 SDGs or any way to, to slice and dice the world problems today, there are numerous opportunities to solve really, really simple issues anywhere in the world. And mm-hmm. not only to 
to, to create value and wealth, but also to help others participate in that innovation of process. I was in, in Tanzania, I saw people building small drones that are teleguided with a simple cell phone to distribute mm -hmm. blood. We've seen people doing sat using satellite mapping to produce crop, and they are probably going to be acquired with a small amount of money or being some subsidies, but those problems, I think, should be, uh, should be tackled first. And we should encourage probably more and more entrepreneurs tackling problems and not thinking about the output and the exit. Money always comes when good problems are being solved. So I agree with you, and I think we should push and promote, and we are doing it. We're not looking at the exit necessary. We're looking at the team capability, the analysis of the problem, the timeliness of the problem, the ecosystem in which that problem can be solved, and how much the ecosystem will support that, and, and how many people will benefit from it. And then in the mix, well, there are need, um, situations. Sorry, go ahead. Well, to, just to comment on what you just said, you kind of need uh, a tribe of people who think the same way, because if you are um, if you have that perspective, if you want to work on interesting problems, but they're not necessarily unicorn ideas, then you need other people around in the ecosystem who are going to think like that instead of, um, you know, trying to force feed these kinds of ventures into the, you know, the more traditional venture world, which operates in a very different way. There's a small number of uh, series A's that get funded that are, you know, if you look at the the, the uh, comparison from 70,000 odd seed investments to maybe about 1,200 Series A investments, that there is a huge Series A gap that gets created. So unless you surround yourself with like-minded investors, it will be very difficult to mitigate the Series A gap, right? Uh, that's, that's a very accurate observation and reality. This is reality, right? There is a crunch on this Series A and not all companies will go there. But what I was saying is that while we pursue the threshold path of venture capital and, and growth and increasing valuation, what I was saying is that the initial intent and focus on uh, very pragmatic problems will mm -hmm. further help increase the value of the company moving forward. Some of them may not go anywhere. Some of them may go somewhere. Many stuff for the first year do not pursue right, their, their venture, and some of them pursue right. or not after the second year. So the following will always happen. I was answering and responding to your questions about would you invest in companies that need little money that could exceed for 5 or $10 million only, and yep. yes, it was an enthusiastic yes because mm -hmm. we, we see more opportunities for growth in pursuing real problems that have a pragmatic scope and not trying to become mm -hmm. a unicorn. And would eventually yeah. grow much, much bigger than when you start on paper by saying, I want to solve a problem that is worth $1 billion. Well, it, may, it might not happen necessarily. And the ecosystem support happens. Today we see more participation. There are a lot of um, currents going on right now with ICOs and cryptocurrencies and smart contracts. There's definitely more and more participation. Crowdfunding has helped many get support from a larger uh, support base, more than just VC. So there are phenomena that we see that could probably support 
a more distributed ecosystem. It's not going to be a very consistent Silicon Valley type of ecosystem, but we see more and more support in cities like Paris or Berlin or London. We see a lot of things, interesting things happening. Even uh, I was in, 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 in Norway, I saw that too. There is a global international community now trying to lend a hand, whether with providing resources or money or anything, to make an interesting project see life. So yes. I'm putting it this way, I'm putting it this way, and I think this is why, where more angels have to be putting their focus. Venture capital cannot have that focus, right? Venture capital has a very, uh, very precise definition and, and, and operate modus operandi. We cannot basically lend hand to, to, to look at everything, but as angels or, or smaller funds, I think we have the possibility to be a little bit closer, right, and, and, and flexible in looking yes. at companies that, that may not look big at the beginning, but with with small amount of injection of capital could go very far. And that very far could be actually five or ten dollars. I think this is success in the same way. I always I think so. Money. I think it's these are successes. If you put in a million, two million and sell the company for ten to fifteen million, I, I consider it a success. Even Absolutely. if you put in 250K, 500K, sell it for 5 to 10 million, I think it's a success Success at a different scale, but, you know, excess is not a requirement for success as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I make this comparison with a TED Talk, right? You can give a TED Talk in front of a 50 people audience or 5,000 people audience. Uh, at the end, if that TED Talk has a lot of views, um, nobody knows how many people were sitting in the audience, right, when that TED Talk happened. So success is success. Right. You success solve a problem, success. you can, yeah, success is success, and we should celebrate the that. One thing the, the one thing to, to keep in mind if you are playing the game of small capital efficient um, startups and early exits, small scale exits, is that you do need to be close to at least a set of acquirers who are interested in the domains that you are interested in or you are investing in. How do you... How do you view that? Because, um, you know, this is kind of dependent on your being able to get your or the entrepreneur, somebody who's involved in the company being close to the acquiring company so that that acquisition can be on the radar of the corporation. How do you view that? Um, you're absolutely correct. Uh, acquisition doesn't happen. Well, it could happen by accident, but acquisition happens with some planning uh, yeah. We have a very strong focus on, on, as I said, on certain technologies and certain way to um, to distribute products and to build um, to build products and services. So we'll, we'll look a lot at product market fit initially. We get involved with companies. We work with every company that we work at least once a week, if not twice. Uh, we uh, we we make ourselves available for their business development, for their patenting, for everything else. But all this attention that we put makes us very ready and prepared in terms of having our eyes and antennas open on who can be the potential partner, competitors, acquirer, and so forth. And because we're really, in terms of technology, only including we're not doing biology investment, we're not doing medical device investment, because we're so much focused on the domains of, as I said, data science, or robotics, and, and general, more generally speaking, AI in general, we, mm -hmm. we navigate into, uh, into circles and areas where we, we try to understand really what market will require and those proximity mm -hmm. will help us identify potential acquirers. So we are very, 
very much attentive to our companies are yeah. doing. You're mindful about those bridges. We are. Yeah, okay. Um, talk about a couple of um, your investments that are you're particularly proud of um, that you think are emblematic of what's happening in the universe right now and why you like them. Um, good question. Uh, we have we have invested in a lot of companies. Some of them are obviously um, not made it, and some are what I what we call in, in between. Right? They have they have something going on, but not exiting. We have a few exits that we are proud of. One of them um, was Connectifier, which mm-hmm. um, which grew uh, in Orange County. The idea was basically to provide the metaphor I'm using, like a Google Analytics for human resources. How can yeah. you identify who is working where? And how can you find the best talent somewhere? So this yeah. company, after two and a half years, got acquired by LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, which in turn got acquired by Microsoft. But the problem they were yeah. solving was a very, very, very specific question is that as, 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 a, as a talent seeker, how would I know who's available for exactly the job I want? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. people that are putting themselves up for a job may not be always the one that would be the ideal candidate necessarily, right. or they may be yep. hidden. So how can we identify hidden talents and those hidden yep. talents can be identified? So basically they build an engine which could identify yep. based on social conversations, public uh, conferences, publishing, etc., a core score on different topics and identify that if I'm looking for someone doing Python and knowledge about, about hospitality or 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 travel or, or healthcare and has done probably product launches and knows how to manage a team under stress, how can I find that, that person? So basically they were identifying a bouquet of individuals that actually were all working, not allowed yeah. looking for a job and making they're it not available looking. to, and, and they're not looking and making it available to basically the hiring manager, not to necessarily to a headhunter. And that basically right. product market fit worked so well that headhunters and, and, <laughs> and recruiting companies we're buying licenses, right, to have to access yep. the tool. And it was so becoming so obvious for LinkedIn that um, this is something that they would, would benefit a lot from and they could make it more of white table. So this is an example of a company that, that grew very relatively fast. There was not thinking about necessarily big exit that got, I cannot mention the number, but way more than 15 million exits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now basically being deployed uh, through LinkedIn and Microsoft. Broadly. So an example yeah. of, so LinkedIn of a was the perfect that, channel to scale that company. LinkedIn was a perfect channel actually to, yeah, to take that initial product market fit and, 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 and strong momentum and growth into a much, much larger ecosystem globally. So that, that's, yeah. that is an example. Yeah. And an example that I can tell you which is still working on is Momentum Machine, which is a hardware company in that case. And the previous company was, had a lot of data science and predictive capabilities in it. Uh, the second company you asked me for two examples is a company called Momentum Machines, which is based in San Francisco, who's building robots to create hamburgers. And the idea mm-hmm. is that you can order your burger the way you want it, with the right meat, with the right crispness, with more mm-hmm. or less tomato or avocado, and you can pretty much on your way order it on your phone when you arrive, get it is all fresh, ready for you, and there is no human intervention. So that company yeah. is, is also creating a lot of buzz because people are saying, well, you're going to get people out of a job because you know, in a typical fast food or a typical 
store making burgers. You don't need any, any human interaction, and that's true. So this is a company that is moving forward, has a lot of momentum. I think they have a, a showcase store in, in San Francisco right now. They're going to be deploying. They can't share too much data. But this is a company also we're proud of because although we did not work with them a lot because they moved very quickly uh, out of the uh, Southern California area, but we got some connections with them. But the intention of our investment and the, the, the conversation we had with the founders were one, right? We had the good handshake and a good understanding. So that's another mm-hmm. example. I can give you some other examples of people working on, on sleep apnea and, and trying to provide um, health insight for individuals mm-hmm. in a global way, right? Not just for the wealthy that have a Fitbit, but for anyone that can have access to some form of um, data capture, basically provide some support in terms of stress, in terms of uh, sleep disorder, uh, and yep. cardiac conditions in general. So that's one example. And another last example is the company that is using machine vision and deploying um, that machine vision capability not to solve hard problems with an MRI machine or MRI images, but, all, but provide that capability into smartphones. And the idea is that anyone in the world can have an app that can probably detect early signs of blindness or cataract mm. issues without having to go to a doctor. So okay. the, the scale is interesting because on one side, you can think of it as humanitarian, but besides being humanitarian, I think the law of data is such that if you can have so much data, even though you might not have 100% accuracy or even a 70% accuracy, if you can have avoid like false positives uh, and give people some sign of early detection, you basically are going to help someone. And that, that something has value. So that value will be captured somehow. So these are examples yeah. that I'm just giving you here and there. Uh, we have more B2B type of examples, but these are the, some examples to show the way we think. The way you think. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So uh, last question, Amir. Um, you also uh, operated with the Tech Coast Angels. Is that still going on, or are you completely focused on K5 Ventures? Uh, I'm, I'm still involved. Tech Coast Angels is, uh, is, I think, today the largest angel group in the U.S. It's based in Southern mm-hmm. California. It goes from Santa Barbara to San Diego. Uh, I think we have about 340 members. So all, every member mm-hmm. is an angel investor, but every member is also active. So somebody is, is a CEO of a company or this or that. And then um, it's an investment um, group that has also a fund that invest in association or in accompaniment of its angels. There are five mm-hmm. networks distributed in different cities, and the goal is really to support Southern California uh, entrepreneurs yeah. with mentorship and with money. And I think collectively we have invested about close to $200 million uh, and generated syndication of north of $2 billion. So with syndication, also, when we are not really... The focus is everything. We have all the chapters. We have life science. We have B2B. We have industry. We have energy. We have uh, uh, consumer goods. We have media. Because of the variety of members that compose this network, I was the president uh, up until two years ago. I'm still a board member, but I'm less active as an angel there. But I still go Mm -hmm. to meetings. I meet with entrepreneurs. The idea of Tech Angels really is to support the ecosystem first, and by syndication, work with other regions. So we do work with other regions mm-hmm. of the U.S. Yeah. or even internationally. We're starting international now through syndication only because we cannot okay. be on the ground again. We cannot do that. But 
the support is really through the mentorship, essentially, and each angel investor part of that network invests individually and personally. So there's okay. always crowded cap tables <laughs> once they go to invest, but there's a fund as well that, okay. uh, that follows, that follows, yes. And what is your, um, you know, analysis of the Southern California ecosystem right now? It has come a long way. How You've been in it for a long time. Well, how do you synthesize the trends and the development of the ecosystem? Well, for sure, uh, Southern California as a whole represents probably as much wealth and potential than, than Northern California. Uh, there are different centers uh, from surrounded around universities, of course, Caltech, UCLA, UC Irvine, UC San Diego, but also mm-hmm. there are a number of large corporations working in media and entertainment, in, uh, in real estate, in space, in, uh, in, in gaming, and in action sports, uh, and in fans. So those hubs, I think there is, there is, a, there is a growing, right, uh, interest in Southern California because of the weather, because now there are large, much larger funds that have been created. There have been a number of visible exit. Oculus, for instance, started in Irvine and acquired by, by Facebook. Gaikai was in the gaming that was acquired by Sony. And then you have a number of examples of recent IPO uh, and, and others. And, and all these basically are showing that Standard California has, has a force to be reckoned and has uh, a, a number of interesting things happening. Entrepreneurs definitely are talented. We don't have the, um, the consistent ecosystem of Northern California yet, uh, and the, um, the appetite for risk the same way, but we see now it's just changing gradually over time because of success. More people are coming, becoming limited partners in funds, more people become angels, more, more entrepreneurs give back again by investing into new entrepreneurs themselves. So this whole cycle is, is I think I see the difference in the past 10 years, how things have changed. And there is definitely wealth here. So I, I can see that in a few years, um, the whole Southern California ecosystem will be a vibrant one and probably a place that many people will want to come and start their businesses. And definitely today there is less mobility, right? People are not switching from one company to other because of a better salary. They are still staying more solidly grounded on one company and they're building it. So there is probably a little bit more of a shielding of, mm-hmm. of what happens uh, in Northern California. So I'm very hopeful yeah. about Southern California in general, uh, and uh, I'm happy to be here and support it. But for, for if, if, if you think global and global problems, your mind is everywhere, right? You don't attach yourself yeah, to Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and today the location things. matters less. Um, exactly. Exactly. But at the same time, you want to basically support your own ecosystem, right? Where you live. Also. We're part yeah. of it. You want to basically nurture it. You want to be supportive of it. So this is a priority as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, wonderful, wonderful conversation, Amir. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for uh, listening. And if you like more uh, of what we are doing here, uh, I know many of you are listening consistently because we see that in the downloads. Please review the show as often as possible, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much.